0: From Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm at-me producer Madison Knudsen. This is Zoom Room, a youth-produced podcast where we zoom into a different theme or topic through interviews and conversations relevant to us, the youth of Alaska. Mark Sixby is a woodcarver from Metlakatla, Alaska. He works as a traditional art specialist for the Sitka Tribe of Alaska where he does cultural art activities and program development for all ages in the community. At Me producer Carl Cranston Simmons first met Sixby when he took an art class from him at Pacific High School in Sitka. Carl sat down with Sixby to talk about Northwestern art, training under master carver Jack Hudson, and how his service in the U.S. Marines impacted his life. Here is their conversation.
1: Can you tell us about where you're from?
2: Yeah, Matlaketla. It's uh, it's the southernmost community in southeast Alaska. It's uh, a Simpsian community established in 1887. Uh, we left Matlaketla, what's now uh, B.C., uh, Canada, uh, and settled there uh, following a, a missionary uh, by the name of Duncan. And so it was once uh, Tantaquan or Taquan. Uh, a Klingit community, but the uh, the Klingit's of the area consolidated in what's now uh, Ketchikan and
1: Saxman area. When you think of your home, what kinds of things come to mind? Such as sights, smells, noises, those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, I think of the sound of all my relatives getting together. Uh, they got a lot of kids.
1: Uh, uh,
2: I've lost track of even uh, since being in Sitka for the last seven years or so. But I think of I think of the food. You know, I think of smoked fish. I think of uh, I think of digging cockles down at the beach and getting Dungeness crabs with a rake in a bucket at five in the morning with my
1: parents, that kind of thing. The mountains, love the mountains there. What do you think distinguishes Northwestern art from other Alaska Native art?
2: I think that we've been sort of self-contained in a sense, like the art never stopped. Like the uh, the Native peoples, particularly the Hlingit and simpsians. Uh, need for the art you know to express and identify ourselves has uh, been able to to flourish through a lot of uh, through a lot of changes in society and even captured the attention of the wider world you'll find every esteemed museum across the world across the planet has to have you know antiquities from from southeast Alaska for the craftsmanship for the, the power of the um, of,
1: of what's there what do you think motivated or inspired you to be an artist?
2: Oh, my family, absolutely. Um, so my mother, again, being a Boo woman. Uh, my art teacher in high school, um, Jack Hudson. Actually, I started in the, in the seventh grade, uh, taking, taking art lessons there all the way through uh, senior year. And he'd been teaching for about 35 years. So a whole bunch of my uh, cousins before me uh, had been through the class in the 70s and the 80s, so there was already this long established presence of uh, of carving in the town and, and throughout the family. So there were always a number of examples of of working carvers to to kind of look look to, you know, for uh, for a roadmap, you could say.
1: I read that you began your artistic training with master carver Jack Hudson at Annette Island School District in 1992. What can you tell me about that experience?
2: It was really cool. It was uh, it was the most uh, continuity in my educational experience because you get a locker on the first day to keep your uh, you know keep your art supplies, paints, and whatnot. Eventually, I made my carving tools and kept those in there. Any projects I was working on, and I had that same combination uh, through uh, again through twelfth grade until graduation. That was really cool. And there was a, it was sort of it was for me, it was art class and shop class and, and history all wrapped up into one because we had a, so the, the art room was in a separate building from the rest of the high school. I should mention that, too. So it had it had its own library. It had its own, uh, you know, the history of our school was kind of hanging up on the walls. All the former students that had passed through uh, would leave a painting. And so all the best ones would be up on display. So you saw all these names uh, of previous students even, you know, giving that kind of sense of history to the place, like a, a new history. Uh, I'll say it, it became, a, I don't want to say an obsession quite for me, but it was, it was my go-to. You know, if I finished another class early, I would ask to go back to the art room. I would stay late after school a lot of days if I had, a, if I had a, like a mask or, or something big I was working on. And so it was uh it it was really profound you know you you definitely had a sense of that it was the the best place for me to learn about well about me you know you learn about yourself when you when you study when you study your traditional
1: arts. What kind of artist was Jack Hudson?
2: he'll tell you traditional simSEN artist, and there's a lot of temptation out there in the world uh from the marketplace and otherwise to maybe sell your talents, you know, maybe uh, put your art maybe where it hasn't been before. And he was very, he was very, we'll say, concise about, he he was against that, you know, so always, always looking towards, um, you know, the art of the past, because it was, it was made for you know, for family purposes, much like, much like a uh, uh, here is, is the word that Lincoln used, uh, describing, you know, these, uh, objects that, that represent a family or, or a story by the family that stay, that don't have a, an owner, but a caretaker, uh, that sort of thing. So he had a strong sense of reverence, but we're always living in the now. That was the other thing there. There's always, you, you always have new technology, new tools, new materials, and art is uh, that way of staying engaged, I-, I think. It helps you assert your identity even when the world's changing.
1: Did he ever give any words of advice? Oh, lots of I-
2: – I think some of his best advice was business advice. But it's also artistic and personal in that, again, don't, you don't change yourself uh, to, to please others. You know, you never, you never accept a job without taking half payment up front. Uh, But also you just don't take a job that you don't want and how to, he was, he was very, um, yeah, probably just the best lessons was, was sticking up for yourself, be it in the marketplace, be it, you know, on a personal level. So on, on that sense, I I was really, that, 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 that was the main thing because, your your teachers are trying to prepare you for the world that exists now and tomorrow and and yeah those tools you know for uh, for self preservation i think that's what that's what stuck out the most
1: how much do you think your simshian heritage plays a role in your art
2: oh it's huge it's uh, again for me i wouldn't have any i don't feel i would have any business doing this art if it wasn't for for my mother uh, she put that idea in my head when i was very very young she made my regalia when i was when i finally decided to join the uh join the traditional dance groups in metlakella get uh, gil Haole, uh, people of the forest and uh yeah so it wasn't about like so my interest in it wasn't wasn't about money in the marketplace and all that it was we could i, I could carve masks that would you know that would be in performance, you know, you do regalia for people. Again, so much of our our uh, our art that we wear is is about showing who we are, you know, and the families you're connected to. And as time went on, I was able to. Uh, that was probably my favorite part of it, in, in terms of making, is 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 making regalia or helping in that process. You know, d- doing the designs that somebody else will ultimately take the time to to sew by hand to add the buttons. And all that. And so the purpose of it, and, and that's a question that comes up quite a lot too, is like, what, how'd you get into this? And I don't want to say I was born into it exactly because I, I chose it, but I was born into circumstances that made choosing it a very natural decision. You're a woodcarver. How would you describe yourself as an artist? I feel as time has gone on uh, that it's less about talent and, and more about what is in your, what's in your heart. You know, how, do, I suppose if, if I was comparing myself to other artists, to other carvers, I suppose you could say I've found a niche in education, not just in Sitka prior to coming to Sitka. I, I was the, uh, the main substitute teacher for the carving program uh, in Matlakatla, having uh, been so after I, I got out of the service in 2006 and my first job was actually with Jack in the classroom, uh, four hours a day, uh, learning how to, learning how to teach. So it's one thing to learn how to make, and it's another thing to make. And then it's a whole different thing to show others how to make. So I, I think, I think just having a, uh, having good at having a good attitude about, about the education environment and the demands and I think I think the Marine Corps made me, definitely gave me tools for for putting aside my own, you know, my own whims and my own fancies, if you will, to to work with the community, you you are a part of, and, and engage it that way. And whether it's through education, through, you know, socially conscious work and that that sort of thing. What is form line design? Ah, yeah, form line. That's it. it, it I suppose it's a word that attempts to describe the visual technique, the the art painting and design technique of the Klinket the Haida, Simcian, and, and many other tribes in the area. You also have the Niska, the Taltan, the, the Bella Bella, the Bella Coola, all the way down, you could argue, to the, to the Coast Salish of, of Washington. So I, I think, like to me, form line it really just means
1: uh, native art of the Northwest. How long have you been making art at a professional level?
2: I think I got my first commission when I was in high school. It was probably a tunic design uh, for a, for a dance shirt. I suppose my my work would like probably look professional to others uh, a little after that. So probably probably about probably about thirty years by now
1: how do you go about starting a piece of art? Do you have a process?
2: So a lot of times, probably all of my best work comes out as some kind of request.
1: And it's, uh...
2: but the, the short answer, the shortest answer I can give you is with a pencil and a paper and you just sketch and see if you got something. But the idea has to come before before all the effort. But that, that sketch pad, that, that can be the difference between having a great roadmap um, for a big project, or just fiddling around. So the longer answer is, I've, I've I've tried a lot of different ways over the years, and it depends on the medium. Uh, if it's going to be a large scale or a small scale, if it's a if it's a personal project um, with no money in mind, if it's something maybe for a business, you know that's going to be another process. But then then regalia, and uh, and if you're really lucky, you know if, at two. Those kinds of requests are my favorite because it's not my story. I, I get to, sort of like like, like you see, uh, like a tattoo artist will ask you some questions. They want to know what's really important to you, what matters to you. And so for regalia, I suppose my, my it, it starts with a conversation.
1: Do you make traditional or indigenous art with other styles such as sculpting and metalworking?
2: I, I could say I, I definitely do new things. I've I've dabbled with uh, with clay, and uh, certainly a little bit of jewelry. But I like to think that every every if I use a new medium, I'm still trying to keep it as traditional as I can. But I don't mix styles so much, um, and by that I mean like you'll see a pastiche uh, sort of taking two things and smashing them together, like, say, taking a formline raven and somehow reimagining it as Picasso might or, or Rothko or Basquiat or one of these famous painters, usually commercially successful painters. I don't go for that. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. I'm just saying I don't do that.
1: How often are you finding ways to improve your craft?
2: I would like, I wish I could tell you every day, but we'll say continually I'm looking for uh, better ways, whether that's new tools. Uh, sometimes it's in the form of inspiration. And by inspiration, I mean just whatever moves you uh, to act. So if it's another carver doing something great and I think, oh, well, I, I could do, you know, I, that, that motivates me tremendously, just seeing, seeing what action others are up to. And I'm always happy for them, but that kind of thing. And with Facebook and the internet now, you can you can see that uh, much, much more in real time than was possible thirty years ago. When I got started, you know, there was no there was no logging on to see what was happening in Haida Gwaii or what was happening in, in Ketchikan or, or Juno or Sitka. You have all these separate scenes that just don't know about each other i was unfamiliar with uh, all the most famous carvers of Sica and juno until i was all grown up and was able to you know fly here on my own and uh, get involved in things so it's uh, i think today we we can inspire each other a, a lot more easily than was possible before
1: what materials do you use and how do you harvest them
2: uh, natural materials, I, I use a lot of alder wood, uh, red cedar, uh, yellow cedar sometimes. Uh, if I'm making tools, like my knife handles can be really any kind of wood. I, I'm open to experimenting there. Uh, canvases and paints and an awful lot of digital. Uh, my digital art pad has been getting a lot of use, uh, especially since the pandemic uh, has, has changed how we uh interact with the students in the schools and uh but not just not just for the k through 12 but also you know on the college level there's been a, a very big spike in the role like i suppose that digital uh plays so even if that's taking a picture I, I see that as a medium too uh pictures video that
1: sort of thing can you tell us about the community of northwest coast carvers and artists
2: i i It's a, that's a broad question. It's a, I'll give you a broad answer. Um, it varies from place to place. You have scenes in Seattle that kind of center around the downtown marketplaces and to a lesser extent, the, uh, the, the colleges and museums and that kind of thing that was, it certainly played a bigger part 20 years ago, I think than it does now. Um, then you have the villages, the smaller communities. You know they, they have very they have their own, very intensely, uh, you know, personal uh, opinions, uses of this. Uh, it, it depends on where you go and, and what age. My favorite scene to engage, though, I suppose, is uh, yeah, is the schoolhouse. To give a more satisfying answer, though, uh, I see a series of schools. You know, every town you go to, there's uh, there's not just one art teacher, there's not just one art lineage. It's not a centralized uh, thing anywhere you go. It's 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 very much from that community. And so, Metlakatla in particular is, has uh, embraced art education on an institutional level in a way that's unmatched any place I've seen. I, I just try as I may, I, I you. If one were to try to compete uh, with, with their artistic output there, it would be <laughs> that, would, that would be very tough because they're, very, they're so dedicated and they've been de- dedicated for so long. it's a multi-generational uh, thing. And then you have colleges, you know, to, to get even bigger and broader. Um, one of my mentors, uh, Norman Jackson of Ketchikan, uh, Norman G. Jackson of Ketchikan, uh, he went to uh, college in uh, Terrace BC uh, studied under Dempsey, Bob, and Phil Jancy. Um, so it's not really my, my art. So you hear what I'm saying, like artistic heritage, I guess, like who was your teacher and who was your teacher's teacher is kind of how I, how I look at that. So I I feel the history of, uh, of what they've done there too. Incidentally, coincidentally, also one of their, one of their professors, uh, Stan Bevan used to travel to Sitka to teach carving at UAS a long, long time ago. But he teaches full-time in Canada now.
1: Are there any artists you have or would like to collaborate with?
2: I'm not sure about collaborating as such. I feel that anybody I admire is doing their own thing. But I like getting groups together for big projects. I think my... Favorite uh, thing to emerge in the last uh, four years or so is uh, being able to get a number of students uh, collaborating on, be it like a mural, uh, large paintings, that kind of thing. Who it's with? Uh, No, I'm I'm not too particular in that.
1: Have you done any traveling in Alaska to showcase your art?
2: I suppose the last traveling for art's sake... um, at the 2018 celebration, I had a—I uh, I made a handmade sort of ukulele. It's not a proper ukulele; it's more like an electric guitar in the scale of an ukulele uh, that I'd entered in Sea Alaska's uh, juried art competition. And uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't even going to go. But I had the opportunity to join a uh, search uh, Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium. Sponsored a canoe journey for uh, suicide awareness in 2018, and they asked me if I could help them with paddles. And so I, I said, yeah. So we started teaching a, a paddle making workshop. We gather on Saturdays, and all, all the people that were going to paddle had to make their own um, acha, fling uh, it for paddle. And um, it wasn't long. I had to, I, I said, wow, can I go along? And they said, sure. And so I got to go see the opening. Uh, And so they had my piece right next to uh, a rattle by Norman Jackson in the display case. I thought that was really cool.
1: Have we done any international traveling related to art? Uh,
2: (laughs) It seems silly to say, call it international, but I I did go to Prince Rupert, um, uh, B.C. uh, to attend a Yauk uh, Simpsian feast uh, hosted by the Gitlan band of Simpsians. Uh, there, uh, with a friend of mine, a carver, Mike Epp, uh, commissioned uh, a number of pieces from me uh, in preparation for for the feast. So I, I believe I'd painted about four or five skin drums and maybe uh, several, at least several paddles. And uh, it was great. I didn't have any responsibilities while I was there. I was just a guest. I didn't have to
1: present or speak. It was Wonderful. In your experience, how have people outside of Alaska responded to your art?
2: I suppose it depends on where I am. If if I'm not in a situation, if I'm not in a sales floor situation, the response is uh, almost universally positive. Uh, when I was a marine, it was uh, it was like a superpower uh, to people. It was also my side hustle, like I would carve things in my spare time sometimes and then uh when i was when i would take a trip home to seattle or something I, seattle was home for a bit uh, but especially when i was uh, off in the marines and uh yeah i would go you know go sell things on the side but having i i can and i tell kids this uh, particularly native alaskan youth that are thinking of getting out of alaska if you it's something that nobody can take away from you. And again, traditional art, it it demonstrates humanity. It demonstrates a connection to history. And I I think even folks don't understand it necessarily, but if you show them excellence,
1: they will want to understand it. You served in the Marine Corps from 2002 to 2006. How do you think that experience has affected you and even maybe your art? I'll say this. It
2: it, it definitely, you, you could say, helped with my work ethic. And it absolutely, I, I don't think I would be involved in art education had it not been for uh, for that experience, particularly uh, two deployments to, uh, to Fallujah, uh, Western Iraq, and then Habaniya. I have always understood, well, we could say there's this old, um, one of those old misconceptions that, you know, Oh, he's still there or, or some party like, yeah, some, you carry it around with you, but you step into the schoolhouse and it's absolutely not the Marine Corps. And I'm, I'm grateful for that too. You know, I, I, I think, polit- yeah, personally and professionally, it, it gave me a lot. Um, they have the Marines, especially, are very, very big on appearances and uh, physical fitness. You know, that's a that's a lifelong thing. Uh, I trained at the Defense Information School, Fort Meade, Maryland, on uh, photography, news writing, public relations, uh, radio broadcasting, television production, that sort of thing. So, in terms of uh, making uh, educational materials, uh, for, for my job now. Um, that, that reporting has been, uh, extremely helpful. And there's also a lot of bad memories in there and that sort of thing, but that, that's all, that's all part of seeing the world for what
1: it is. What do you hope people will learn or take away from your art?
2: Well, I think for my for my local audience, and in my mind, that's always that's always the students. I I hope to help connect them uh, with some tools to understand themselves better, uh, because I think any any piece or any any art project of consequence that I've been involved in hasn't been about myself and really, I, I think, uh, I think the bottom line goal is to, uh, just to give people tools to share, uh, this activity, you know, that that's brought me so much joy the, to the previous question about the Marines and how that might, may have, it absolutely reinforced in me, uh, when I got out in 2006, that art was, was traditional art, especially was, uh, was going to be my focus you know i didn't want to be a goon with a gun and uh, that certainty is something that can only be forged in the fire it's not some fleeting thing you know I'm not waiting for anybody else's art- validation of my artistic abilities or anything like that it's it 's not a job that anybody gives you it's a job you take and uh, that certainty Again, that's uh, that's forged in a certain amount of uh, hardship that uh, the, again that that
1: war provides an abundance. Well, that's all the questions have we got right now. Well, thanks for
2: taking the time uh, to sit down. Always good to talk about this sort of thing. It certainly makes me uh you know think about why it is I do what I do now and it's uh because it definitely uh, you know the choices you make absolutely affect your, uh, your future.
0: That was at me, producer Carl Cranston Simmons, speaking with artist Mark Sixby. You've been listening to Zoom Room, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music is by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including Rosie Robards and Della Cutchins. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Me. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who is interested in becoming a member of our team, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join to find out more. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Madison Knudsen,